Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. So here we are at 15-Minute Film Fanatics. You know how this works. We watch movies separately, then talk about them for the first time. So this week, we're going to talk about The Cabin in the Woods, the 2011 uh, film directed by Drew Goddard, um, written by him and Joss Whedon, who, of course, went on to write and direct The Avengers in 2012 and, and uh, Ultron and a bunch of other things. Also worked with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I'm sure everybody out there knows. This was a film that was recommended to me that I've, I saw for the first time a couple days ago. I thought it was pod worthy. I asked Mike to see it. Mike just watched it last night. Here we are. We promise we have not discussed this. I have no idea what he's going to say. So Mike, we always start with our overall impressions of the movie. What you think? Let me preface this by saying that uh, if Joss Whedon is still making money on people watching reruns of Firefly and Buffy and Angel, then I am personally putting money in this guy's pocket. But one of the things that didn't work about the film for me is that it really felt like uh, an episode of a television show. Uh, I felt like um, one of the things, okay, so, you know, Buffy and Angel all use similar conceits um, as does Firefly, which is that these shadowy organizations within governments, you know, work either to stabilize them by destabling, destabilizing other elements, you know, uh, old gods are mind controlled. So it's, it's always something. Um, you know, or, or it's hidden within like a law firm slash consulting firm. This is just one of his, one of his central conceits. And one of the things that always bothered me was whenever he does episodes about people within these shadow organizations meeting, you can tell that it's just a television set. It's not even like, it's not even like a building. It's like one room, but you, you follow him because you have to use your imagination sometimes in TV. It's like, all right, they have a limited budget and they can't pay for extras. But one of the things that really that really bothered me about this movie, both about the effects um, and the number of people coming in and out of rooms and what the rooms looked like, is that it felt very similarly cramped and just kind of stylistically blunted. The, I, the, the central conceits of the film, fine. The satire, which I'm sure we will inevitably talk about, fine. I, I'm following down all these, all these roads. Just something doesn't work about that movie for me. I watch it for the pod. On, on your recommendation, I laughed a couple of times. I probably wouldn't watch Cabin in the Woods again. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'd watch it, but I, I actually enjoyed it a lot. Maybe I was in a good mood. I mean, I, I was trying to think of the last time I saw a movie where I was that delightfully puzzled. And I don't mean like when we watch Hereditary where you're like puzzled for like the nature of your soul, but I mean just where I even laughed in the beginning when the credits came on and went, boom, the cabin in the woods. Like those stupid credits, I thought it was, I thought that was funny. I thought the movie was really funny. I mean, I thought the speakerphone scene, that made me laugh. Absolutely. Absolutely. That made me really happy. I thought when the, um, I'm getting ahead of ourselves, but when the elevator kept dinging and all the monsters would come out yeah. again, that was so funny. Um, but I thought it was very, very clever. And we'll talk about all the meta stuff because it's, you know, it's a movie about itself. Um, but I thought it was, I thought it was a wonderful extended um, joke about horror movies, but it wasn't a parody. It wasn't a quote unquote send up like Airplane to Young Frankenstein. Um, I thought Richard Jenkins and Bradley Woodford were perfect middle management IT guys. It, it was amazing. Um, so one of the things that I'll that I'll say too is that there's a show that does people coming in and out of offices really well, which is The West Wing, um, which is now unwatchable, um, obviously because of its soundtrack. It's very '90s uh, beeps and boops and. Uh -huh. Either. But uh, having the guy from The West Wing in the in the first shot uh -huh. is 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 great. And you're right, they're perfect bureaucratic stand-ins, and they're interplay with one another. Like, let me say this: if he sticks to doing the things that TV episodes don't do well in movies he stuck to all the stuff that joss whedon does well in this script so obviously like you're saying that the interplay is funny 
the dialogue is funny, the awkward situations are funny. Um, you yeah, know, and that's all it was. Firing on all cylinders. Yeah, that's all it was. I thought. I mean, it wasn't. I don't think this was destined to be a big budget movie. I like the fact that it was all pretty much one control room they were stuck in, where they had the party and stuff like that. That never really bothered me. It did feel like a really well produced TV show, but I think I think that it, if I don't want to, I think that its cheesiness is part of its charm. So you like to use the word charm, and I think that I think that this movie is charming. Like 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 um, you know, when he goes to do the motorcycle jump and he and he hits the wall and he, like. It's so silly that it may be, I thought it was charming. And, and everyone involved knows it. I agree with that. And that is a very Whedon-esque death um, that uh, that guy suffers. Uh, one thing that bothered me though, was a lot of the CGI monsters. Um, mm -hmm. I thought any any of the makeup effects were really good. Um, you know, when uh, the guy from the West Wing, his character uh, put, places the bet on the merman and yeah. he's hoping that it comes up merman. The merman at, the end, some... at the end, you see this weird seal-like you know, vampire yeah. creature inching his way. You know, those are good makeup effects. I thought the zombies um, were really, really good. Right. Um, well done. You know, and I thought that the concept of monster elevator also made me laugh. Yeah. Just, I think you can do less monsters, more makeup. Because again, I, I feel like they just use like TV budget effects. Yeah. But I think they were, I think that was what was so funny was that they were just, it was just all, all aboard. It was everybody was just poured in there. And when that vampire bat was flying, <laughs> but I think let's talk about let's um let's move into segment two and talk about our moments and get into the horror movie tropes and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so in part two, we like to talk about our big scenes or our key moments of the film. I'm gonna go first this time um and talk about the the point at which that I think that the viewer has the optimal amount of information in order for the the film to play the joke that it's really wanted to play the the whole time and it's about an hour in and two of our heroes are finally set to escape um in the in the big RV that they have and they're going through the tunnel and there's a huge bustle within the office yeah. to get the demolition right. in the tunnel to blow otherwise these guys get away and the sacrifice fails <laughs> so you have a reverse rescue <laughs> where guys in the office have to make the right move in order to to blow up the dynamite and there's the, the there's the guy searching for the right wire and there's all the tropes of the big escape but on the villain side this time yeah. you're supposed to feel that the double mixed tension you know obviously there's the irony that our heroes don't know that 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 could blow at any moment and trap them and then you know on the other end uh we have the guys that are now we know what's at stake you know, or we think we know what's at stake and why people are doing what they're doing. Whereas you're right, for the first hour, you're you're very you're you're trying as hard as you can to figure out what they're doing, and you have a hint, but not the full story until yeah. that moment where he, he finally saves everything. Yeah, that's great, Mike, because it is a funny reversal. And it ha again, like this movie is so self-aware. Like, of course, there has to be just a bundle of wires, and you don't know which one to cut. So every movie we've seen where where the, you know um, the guy in the chair has to be working working the keyboard and tapping things to make everything happen. Every every Mission Impossible movie and things like that. So it was funny that you're, you're and you don't know who to root for because you're kind of like, well, I know the IT guys, I know the middle management guys. They got to make this happen, and I'm kind of on their side, and uh, to the extent you are on side, so that's a great reversal. My moment was I love when Marty, who's the, the stoner, says uh, he looks at uh, he looks at one of the girls and he says he's speaking about Kurt, who of course is played by um, you know uh, Chris Hemsworth, who becomes Thor. He says, "Since when does Kurt do all this alpha male stuff? Now he calls his friend Egghead. He's a sociology major." And I just think it's so funny that they all become character types, like they're all types in the beginning, like a fool and the virgin and stuff. But I think that um 
the movie does such a has so much fun with things that we have already talked about in this season of the podcast, right? Like, how great was it when um when Kurt's like, uh, okay, we got to board up the house, we got to lock the place down, right? And then Kurt's like, we're gonna board up every window and door, and then all of a sudden he's like, uh, no, wait a minute, we we should split up, we should split up, and you're like, why would you split up? Well, you, you know the film's explanation for why they should split up, right? Yeah, they've got the Scooby Doo gas, you yeah, know, that, that comes in to make you want to split up. Which is, which I think is so funny because it's the only explanation for horror movie stupidity. So I'm complaining about the kids in it, and you made the joke about um, Joe Beth Williams taking out her hair dye and having her kids go sleep back into the room with the portal to hell. Like the only explanation is that someone's controlling this and piping and all this stuff. Like I love it when they make a forest hotter and they have the pheromones go off, and that you turn out. It turns out that the, the dope he was smoking made him immune to all of their all of their spells and stuff. It's the only explanation for movie stuff. Yeah, well, and of course it, it ties itself into the actual satire of the film, which we can get into in part three, which is of course, you know, characters in movies are actually being ritually sacrificed for the entertainment, yeah. you know, of people outside the system that can make the movie, you know, that can just that can destroy the universe of the film if they don't like it. Right. That's why it's so funny when when um when uh uh uh, Kurt's girlfriend and he are, are about to like, uh, uh, you know, uh, make out in the woods or whatever they're doing out there. And she has to take her top off. And the one guy says in the control room, like, um, do we really have to have this? And, he, and Richard Jenkins goes, you got to give the customers what they want. So like, it, it's like the customer, of course, are the, the ancient ones or these Lovecraftian gods, but they're watching the same movies everyone else is. And it's the only explanation for how can Hollywood churn out the same movie over and over and over. And you have Freddy versus Jason. Well, one answer is that there's these ancient gods buried in the earth well and the other is that we we are the ancient gods that make, sure. make the film industry go round. absolutely all right i'll see you in part three so welcome back in part three we like to talk about the title or the end of the movie or, or our overall take on it um mike i just want to say that you know I, I maybe you went into this with expecting more but i think this movie's so much fun because it gets to have its cake and eat it too so a movie like um, you know, Young Frankenstein or Blazing Saddles, I said, or Airplane or The Naked Gun, those are parodies of, of tropes. So is this, but it actually gets to do the thing as well. So I think it's kind of funny because the guys in the control room actually become the chased around victims of a horror movie, like once everything flips. And, and I just think it does that in a very, very clever way. Um, I think having Sigourney Weaver explain the plot of the movie at the end was inspired because that really made me laugh out loud that Ripley all of a sudden comes up and, and is the, the quote unquote, the director. And I think it's very, very self-aware. And I think, I think um, clearly it's a movie for people that love movies. I agree. And the, the moment where it's really a movie for people who love movies is actually the, the intercom gag, like you said, which <laughs> yeah. you, you experience the menacing hillbilly at the gas station who who weren't like and, you know, if it were any other people on any other trip, you'd just be you'd just be turning around. Yep. And it's, um, you know, I forget what the character. Um, Mordecai. No, Chris Hemsworth's character. Oh, I Kurt. Kurt. And, you know, the, the guy at the end says, I don't even know if Kurt had a cousin. Yeah. You know, when, they, when they go into the gas right. So somebody's somebody set this whole thing up, but then he's on the phone with this with the secret agency. I I think that one of the reasons that I was having trouble connecting is because once it becomes it becomes very obvious that certain characters like Kurt are only in the movie um, to to be slaughtered, which is of course kind of kind of its point. point. But my sympathies lie in the control room. That's where I yeah. la that's where I laugh the most. That's where I have yeah. the most fun. That's where the gags are. And then, like you said, you know, when they get chased around at the end and they die, or like 
I'm on Amy Acker's side, no matter what she's in, like she could yeah. be in any, any TV show, any villain, like I'm on her side. Seeing Amy Acker die, you know, or get chased around, that's, that's where my sympathies are. And so it, I think that the movie intended as a screenplay for your sympathies to be balanced kind of 50-50. And I think mine were, were weighted much more heavily in just one direction. All right, and that's, that, that's fair enough. I mean, it was, I, don't, I actually found myself um, rooting for, if that's the wrong word, the guys in the IT, you know, in the, in the, in the control room, because yeah. they were so funny, because everyone knows what that's like to have that pressure for your job. Even though we don't know what the job is, even though the job is ridiculous. Um, like, the, I love their big board of what, the, what they're going to pick in the basement. That's great. That was an excellent gag. And I laughed out loud when he starts screaming like "F you, Japan! F you!" Because oh, it was never Japan like survivor, the attack. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was good. when he's complaining that it's not a merman, he says he had the conch in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> I think you like this movie better than you did because again, you're in it, like you, as you've said about movies we've discussed before. You're in and out in ninety minutes. It doesn't it doesn't quote unquote try to say anything. I just think it's a lot of fun. You know, the, the movie makers know how much fun this is, and that it's the only explanation for why this genre exists. No, I it was it was successful. Yeah. I just that the one thing missing is not is it's so clearly a manipulation that you're not um you're not on the side of the people in the cabin trying to get out. You know, you're you're watching sure. very very much as one of the people in the office. But again, as we as we said on this podcast already, that doesn't mean that the gags don't work. The gags clearly work. Yeah, yeah. And we keep watching. So thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this. We hope you'll subscribe on Apple Podcasts and please leave us a review. You can also follow us on Twitter at 15MINFILM and let us know what you want us to review. Remember, we're doing all horror and monster movies this, this season. So let us know what you want to be scared of. Thanks for listening. Bye.